Welcome to the Say the Word podcast, where we'll dig into words and language as tools for curiosity. I'm your host, Cindy Givinoli, and together we're going to explore how language is used in literature, memoir, poetry, and all kinds of fiction and nonfiction to connect us to what it means to be human and how to use curiosity to peel back the layers of what's keeping us from living the rich, meaningful lives we were always meant to be living. Hello, hello. Before I get started today, I want to ask again for more of your listener contributions for those lines and quotes from your reading that have really landed for you, that stood out and connected for you in some way. I love finishing every episode with these, and I'm once again beginning to run low. So be sure to send yours to my email at staycurious at cindyjivinoli.com or leave a comment on the show notes at cindyjivinoli.com backslash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my email list to get my weekly messages right in your inbox, as well as announcements for retreats and workshops and other events I'm hosting where we can work together more directly. Okay, so let's shift toward today's selection. Today, we will be working with the poem, Directions to You by Joy Harjo from her newest collection, An American Sunrise. If you aren't familiar with her work, Harjo was the first Native American poet laureate of the United States, and her work is so resonant and powerful. Born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Harjo is a member of the Muscogee Creek Nation, and An American Sunrise is her eighth collection of poems. In it, she revisits the homeland from which her ancestors were uprooted in 1830 as a result of a policy named the Indian Removal Act. As such, it is far more than a collection of poetry. It includes maps, excerpts and quotes from outside sources, and passages of her prose as well. It is a fascinating, powerful, and heartbreaking conversation about home and place and culture and identity and how all of these things reverberate through generations. I can't encourage you strongly enough to spend time with Harjo's work as a whole and this book and her memoir Crazy Brave in particular. Her voice is just strong and clear and it absolutely merits a direct experience. You know, as I said way back in episode three, when we were looking at a poem by Mary Oliver, it took me a minute to come to really appreciate poetry. For so long, I believed it to be something inscrutable that only those more educated or artistic than I was could possibly understand. But it's simply not true. This isn't to say that I love every piece of poetry I come across, and neither will you. But there is definitely a poet out there whose work will speak to you if you remain open to that possibility. Stay curious every time you pick up a new genre or a new writer and do what you can to leave your preconceived notions behind you. The reward may just be that you stumble onto a voice that empowers you, that gives greater language or insight to your own experiences or allows you to connect in a deeper or more meaningful way to the experiences of others. I mean, this is what living a rich and more connected life looks like. 
Don't deprive yourself of this by being closed or clinging to these old stories or old opinions. Joy Harjo herself was once quoted as saying, don't worry about what a poem means. Do you ask what a song means before you listen? Just listen. So let's take her advice and we'll begin by just listening. So here is Directions to You, written by Joy Harjo for her daughter, Rainy Dawn Ortiz, and is included in her collection, An American Sunrise. Follow them. Stop. Turn around. Go the other way. Left. Right. Mine. Yours. We become lost. Unsteady. Take a deep breath. Pray. You will not always be lost. You are right here, in your time, in your place. 1. North. Star, guidance as we look up to the brightest white, hoping it leads you to where you want to go, hoping that it knows where you should be. We find our peace here in the white, gather our strength, our breath, and learn how to be. 2. East. The sun rises, red, morning heat on our face, even on the coldest morning. The sun creates life, energy, nourishment. Gather strength, pull it in, be right where you are. 3. South. Butterfly flits, spreads yellow beauty. We have come to this moment in time, step by step. We don't always listen to directions. We let the current carry us, push us, force us along the path. We stumble, get up and keep moving. Four, west. Sunsets, brings darkness, brings black. We find solitude, time to take in breath and pray. Even in darkness, you can be found. Call out, even in a whisper or whimper, you will be heard. To find, to be found, to be understood, to be seen, heard, felt. You are breath, you are memory, you are touch. You are right here. Oh man, that's so powerful, right? Okay, so there is so much I want to talk about and so little time to do it. So we're just going to take this stanza by stanza and just cover what we can here. Now the first stanza reads, follow them, stop turn around, go the other way, left, right, mine, yours, we become lost, unsteady, take a deep breath, pray, you will not always be lost, you are right here, in your time, in your place. Now doesn't this just feel so relevant? This poem is written to Harjo's daughter and it feels just like what it is, doesn't it? The loving reassurance of a parent or mentor to anyone trying to find their way in the world. When we're the ones looking for our paths, which, you know, is most of us over and over at different moments and at different stages of our lives in different ways, we can feel bombarded by the advice and experiences offered by others. Most of the time, this advice is well-meant, intended to help us avoid perceived mistakes others made on their own paths, intended to help us learn from their experiences. And learning to balance staying open to the learning from the experience of others while ultimately hearing and trusting ourselves is lifelong work. I mean, every word of advice and experience that we hear, as well as what we offer, 
is marked by the unique alchemy of the person doing the offering. The unique alchemy of nature and nurture of DNA and experience and culture and conditioning. It is unique in the truest sense of the word. Not a single person's fullness of being can be replicated. As such, what is deeply true and resonant to one person may or may not land in the same way or at all with another. Follow them, stop, turn around, go the other way, left, right, mine, yours. Haven't we all felt this push-pull at some point? How often over the course of our lives are we presented with conflicting good advice? How often when we've turned outward for answers have we felt, as Harjo says in the next couple of lines, where she says, we become lost, unsteady. And what follows is the first of her incredible lessons here. She doesn't tell her daughter which way she should go or whose path is best. She doesn't even reassure her here that all will be well. She says, take a deep breath pray. You will not always be lost. You are right here in your time, in your place. Mm. Take a breath. You will not always be lost. You will not always be lost. I just find this to be so, so powerful. This reassurance that just as it is inevitable that sometimes we will become lost and unsteady, it's equally inevitable that we will not always be lost, that this unsteadiness will not go on forever. She says, you are right here in your time, in your place. I know I come back to this again and again, but isn't she inviting presence with this word? these words? You are right here. I mean, what happens when we allow ourselves to believe that? When we allow for that actual possibility, when we ground into the place we really are right now, that we didn't miss our one true path or our one true love or our one true calling. You are right here in your time, in your place, in your time and in your place. I mean, it's so funny, isn't it? That in so many ways, this is the most like common sense idea ever, right? Duh, I was born when I was born. I'm here and not somewhere else. But somehow in reality, it gets so, so slippery, doesn't it? We let our mind wander down roads we didn't travel, following signposts marked with what ifs and should ofs. We can create entire stories out of those places and times we never were actually in, all while missing or lamenting the real life and the real time that we are, you know, truly living. This is what we talked about back in episode 14, right? When we talked about Matt Haig's The Midnight Library and it being easy to mourn the lives that we aren't living. To embrace the idea that we are right here in our time and in our place. I mean, it's just revolutionary on so many levels, isn't it? To be grounded in our real time and place and truly and deeply accept that this is the absolute right time and place for us, that if we can stay open and present and curious, we can find our greatest connections and potential 
right here where we really are moment by moment and day by day. Now, in the next section of the poem, she has four stanzas, each referencing one of the four cardinal directions, north, east, south, west. In the first, north, she says, one, north, star, guidance as we look up to the brightest white, hoping it leads you to where you want to go, hoping that it knows where you should be. We find our peace here in the white, gather our strength, our breath, and learn how to be. This idea of finding our North Star, something that guides us, is a powerful one, right? Isn't that something we all look for, a purpose or value that leads us where we want to go? Here's what I love most about how she says this. Hoping it leads you to where you want to be. Hoping that it knows where you should be. We find our, our peace, gather our strength, our breath, and learn how to be. What this says to me is that we may have a false start or two or three or 27 as we look for that North Star or that we may have different North Stars at different times in our lives, but we can gather ourselves, our strength, our peace, our breath as we choose the best one we can right now. This also reminds me of episode seven, where we talked about the idea of a carencia, a place to gather ourselves, that place of safety and renewal in the bullring. Having that place within ourselves or a physical external location can also be a guiding principle for us, can't it? And learn how to be. Mm. As we move through our lives, this is an ongoing conversation, right? An ever-evolving state. There's no end point, no summit we reach where we can just sit back and say, okay, there, I've made it. Now I've reached the pinnacle of my being and I no longer have anything to learn or any way to grow. We are always learning how to be, always acquiring guiding principles that help us stay both rooted as we gather our peace and curious and interested as we take steps along whatever paths we're currently pursuing. Now the next stanza, she turns to the east and says, two, east, the sun rises, red, morning heat on our face, even on the coldest morning. The sun creates life, energy, nourishment, gather strength, pull it in, be right where you are. Like a North Star, she here speaks of the sun, of what warms us even in the coldest moments of our days. And again, she uses the phrase, gather strength. There's a conversation to be had here about resilience and hope, isn't there? She says that the sun creates life, energy, nourishment, that the sources of warmth and vitality in our days can sustain us, can allow us to gather our strength right where we are, even if that happens to be a cold moment. I feel like this stanza is a call to stay with it, to stay with what we are feeling and experiencing in this moment, to lean into it while still pulling from our sources of warmth. What does that look like? Where do we find our sun, even on a cold morning? This can be the supportive friends or communities in our lives, the people we can count on to see us and hear us in our fullness, who are trusted and trustworthy. 
This can also be the trust that we've cultivated in ourselves. Maybe the ability to hear our own voice over the racket of others' advice or opinions. Or maybe the knowledge that we've survived hardship before and we can now trust that this, too, shall pass. This can be acts of self-care, the things that generate energy for us, rest, renewal, and nourish us, whether physically or emotionally or spiritually in some way. Maybe this is movement or time in nature, in the woods or by the sea. Maybe this is an early bedtime or going to a sacred place to pray. How do you gather strength? This is the place to get curious in your life. Knowing the answer to this question or having a few possible answers to pull from is a critical piece of self-knowledge. Knowing how to renew and nourish ourselves, how to bring ourselves to life right where we actually are is fundamental knowledge to living the most balanced and fulfilled life that we can live. And this last line, be right where you are, is really important to acknowledge. Her call for creating life and energy and nourishment here is not a call to do it solely while we are on our two-week vacation once a year. She says, be right where you are. Do it now. Work it into your right now. She's calling us to create this life right where we are in this moment, not in some idealized later. Next, she moves to the South and says, three, South. Butterfly flits, spreads yellow beauty. We have come to this moment in time, step by step. We don't always listen to directions. We let the current carry us, push us, force us along the path. We stumble, get up, and keep moving. And here again, we can see this call to be in the moment we're in. We've come to this moment, she says, step by step. Step by step, this idea of one foot in front of the other, that we are constantly in the process. We arrive in this moment a little at a time, not all at once, even if no one else can see that process, even if it looks like it was instantaneous in some way. We're constantly making decisions and choices within the context of our daily lives, and we get to exercise agency over those. Sometimes that means listening to the advice or opinions of others, and sometimes it means the opposite. This line in the poem where she says, we don't always listen to directions, immediately makes me think of the section in author and activist Glennon Doyle's book Untamed where she says, this life is mine alone, so I have stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. There is no map. We are all pioneers. I think this is, again, a place where pausing for a moment and leaning into our curiosity serves us well. We don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time in our lives. We can look to the experiences of others and learn from them. But discernment here matters. At the end of the day, no one knows your life as well as you do, and no one is as invested in your life as you are. You have to take what works for you and leave the rest. We don't always listen to directions because sometimes the directions are bogus and sometimes we just don't need them. Her next line is, we let the current carry us and I'm immediately reminded of a river. Now, I worked as a whitewater guide for many years and one of the very first safety rules I ever learned about rafting is that if you fall out of the raft, you keep your feet up and away from the bottom. The risk is something called foot entrapment, which is exactly what it sounds like. Your feet can get caught in the rocks along the bottom, but the current keeps going, eventually pushing you over. 
The safest thing to do is to let the current carry you. While staying aware and paying attention to what's around you and looking for a safe place to either get to the bank or picked up by your raft. And assuming you don't fall out above something hairy, it can actually be pretty darn fun. All of that to say, there are times that going with the flow can serve us, that it's actually the best course of action not to stand up, not to stop, not to question where we are. Not out of a thoughtless default, but rather curious exploration. There is a difference, you know. Letting ourselves get caught in the momentum of other people's expectations or conditioning without considering whether it's actually right for us is not what I mean here. I'm talking about allowing ourselves to continue down a path that brings us joy or fulfillment, whether personally or professionally, and see where it goes to stay open and curious about what opportunities it might hold for us. Not every moment of our lives needs to be struggle in order for us to learn. Sometimes it's recognizing exactly that ease and flow that helps us clarify the right path to follow. Sometimes the current we think we're supposed to be fighting against is the most direct route to where we're trying to go. You know, in their book, Now Discover Your Strengths, researchers Donald Clifton and Marcus Buckingham put forth a theory that finding the things that come most easily and naturally to us is how we find our strengths and gifts. That it's exactly that ease and natural ability that allow for us to develop excellence in those areas. So there is information and value in letting the current carry us sometimes. Let go right now of the idea that the only path to growth is through struggle because it's not. By the way, this is true on a micro scale as well. I've had a few conversations lately with more than one person about what a productive schedule looks like. And at some point along the way, we seem to have all landed on this idea as a culture that productivity can only be achieved by getting up super early in the morning There's no shortage of articles with titles like 10 Things Every CEO Does Before 6 a.m. But this is not true for everyone. It's really, really not. Pay attention to what is true for you. There are hours of every day when we are at our best, when we're at our sharpest and most energized, and it's worth knowing what those are for you. It will make doing the work that you create or the conversations that you have or whatever it is you do that matters to you that much easier and faster to do better. Doing what is practical and realistic to honor that sweet spot for yourself is one way to add ease and excellent excellence by letting the current carry you. Okay, I need to move on here, but one last note on the stanza. She ends with the lines, we stumble, get up, and keep moving. And I think we can always use this reminder that stumbling isn't a big deal. It's not. It is simply part of moving. The only way not to stumble is to stand still and stagnate. And that comes with its own set of issues that we won't get into now, but I assure you are not a better alternative. I think these stumbles can serve us in a really important way that can lead to one of two outcomes. The stumble creates a pause, right? And that pause invites curiosity and a decision. It's a moment that asks us to double check that this is still the right road for us to look around and take in the landscape that we're currently in with real and genuine interest and which might have changed since we initially set out, right? 
One outcome of this might be that we brush ourselves off and decide to course correct, to alter our direction in some way big or small to better reflect the knowledge, experience, and learning that we've attained en route so far. Another outcome of the stumble might be to brush ourselves off, look around, take a breath, and recommit to the path as the right one in this current landscape as well with our eyes open and with renewed intention. Either way is a win. Either way, the stumble served us. Either way, we get up and keep moving either in the direction we'd been headed or in a new or slightly altered one. Now, in the final of these directional stanzas, she turns toward the west and says, four, west, sunsets, brings darkness, brings black. We find solitude, time to take in breath and, and pray. Even in darkness, you can be found. Call out even in a whisper or whimper, you will be heard. This might be my favorite stanza of this little section. It feels restful and reassuring to me. She says that in the darkness, we find solitude and time to take in breath and pray. That darkness and solitude just sounds like space and quiet, doesn't it? I'm reminded here of what we talked about in the last episode about poetry, when we talked about Mary Oliver and the softer voices of our own lives in episode three. We spoke then about the need for quiet and stillness in order to begin hearing our own voices, and that feels a lot like what Harjo is saying here as well. On the one hand, the rest of the stanza where she says, even in darkness, you can be found, call out even in a whisper or whimper, you will be heard. It feels exactly like a parallel to what we talked about in episode three. When we get that quiet and still, we can hear our own voices, even if they are faint, even if they are a whisper or a whimper, barely audible. This is what allows us to be heard, to hear ourselves and what is true for us. And I think there's also another way to think of this part of the stanza as well. If we think of the darkness as a sort of dark night of the soul moment, the low points where we feel lost and alone and bereft, there is a different sort of reassurance that happens here, right? That even in that kind of darkness, we remain. We can still be found, still be heard, that our voice is still there and it still matters. That sometimes the kind of deep solitude that comes from moving through that sort of darkness is exactly how we learn to hear a different or more authentic voice within us. Sometimes pain or loss or grief can peel back layers from the voice that lives inside us, hone it in its authenticity. It can be what allows us to finally tune out the chatter and hear our very smallest whispers, even if they initially come out as a whimper. In those moments, we can hear ourselves possibly more clearly than ever. And as we move to the final stanza of this poem, I also just want to point out that a sort of crescendo happens here, right? I mean, I'm not a poet or a musician, and again, I do not pretend to be an expert at literary craft here, but... The rhythm of this poem feels undeniable to me, and I hope you can take a moment to appreciate the just crashing wave of this final stanza, the cadence and press of these words. She says, to find, to be found, to be understood, to be seen, heard, felt. You are breath. You are memory. You are touch. You are right here. 
I don't know that these incredible words need that much interpretation, but I do think that every single one of them needs to be heard and internalized and absorbed into our very bones. There isn't a human on earth who doesn't need to let these words imprint on their hearts today and every day. Okay, so I've been talking about this so much lately here, but I'm just going to say it again. This first half is what love looks like, how love takes real form in our actual lives. To find, to be found, to be understood, to be seen, heard, felt. This is how we love and how we are loved. Get so, so curious here because this is both internal and external. How can we apply this to ourselves and everyone we care about? What can it look like to find and understand and see and hear our loved ones? To seek this without agenda, to be genuinely interested in who they are and how they work and what lights them up is what it looks like to love someone. What can it look like to find and understand and see and hear ourselves? Again, that genuine interest means letting go of the stories we cling to about who we think we should be or the value we attach or detract from what we find. It means staying curious about ourselves instead of living in a constant state of self-judgment. And what can it look like to receive all of this? How can we stay open to being seen and heard, to being found and understood? I mean, this can make us incredibly vulnerable, right? Not everyone we love will be able to do this or able to stay with it. We are all carrying things that might have built walls around parts of our hearts. And we have to lean into our curiosity to try to remove those walls brick by brick. But the love we learn to show ourselves, the seeking to understand ourselves, to hear the whispers that come through the darkness, to know what warms us on those cold mornings, equips us to move through the world with that vulnerability and be okay when it doesn't work out the way we would have wished or when loss or grief is part of the result. Self-love and self-trust are what resiliency is built on, what equips us to keep moving when we stumble and seek to understand and see and hear those around us. And they start by staying with curiosity instead of slipping into judgment. Curiosity keeps us learning, keeps us open to shifting perspectives, makes space for letting go of what is no longer serving us instead of gripping tightly to the stories or ideas we attach to at some point. Harjo's final words to her daughter here are, you are breath, you are memory, you are touch, you are right here. And you are, you are right here. Look around, stay curious in this place and in this time because you are right here. Okay, so this is Directions to You by Joy Harjo from her collection, An American Sunrise. As always, you can find the link to the book in the show notes at cindyjivinoli.com backslash podcast. Harjo's voice is clear and resonant and just so, so powerful and is one worth spending some time with. So be sure to check her out. Today's listener contribution is from Nisha P. And she says, Hi, Cindy. I just finished reading the Binti Trilogy by Nettie Okorafor, and I loved it. There was one quote that made me immediately think of you and your podcast. The main character, Binti, says, and here's the quote, 
My father said that my curiosity was the last obstacle I had to overcome to be a true master harmonizer. If there was one thing my father and I disagreed on, it was that. I believed I could only be great if I were curious enough to seek greatness. Anisha says, This struck me as exactly what you were always talking about, that Binti can only be great if she stays curious and rejects judgment if she were more curious than afraid of that greatness. You're rubbing off on me, and I had to write this out and stick it on my fridge as a reminder. <laughs> Nisha, I love that. And I loved this trilogy, too. As a matter of fact, it will be making an appearance on the podcast next season. So your quote here has me pumped. Okay, so thank you so much for sharing that. If you have a quote that you loved or has touched you in some way, please send it along. I would love to feature it here. So next week, we'll be talking about a passage from Joan Hu's young adult sci-fi novel, The Ones We're Meant to Find. I can't wait. Until then, be sure to stay curious out there. That's it for this episode of the Say the Word podcast where we explore how language is used in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry to connect us to what it means to be human and how to use curiosity to peel back the layers of what's keeping us from living the rich, meaningful lives we were always meant to be living. Be sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and I would so appreciate it if you would go ahead and leave a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Cindy Givinoli, and I'll see you next week on Say the Word.